A bit of a flutter. A roll of the dice. When the chips are down. A gentleman's wager. Your number is up. May the odds ever be in your favour. It seems like the language of gambling is everywhere. Games of chance are embedded in Aussie culture, in our economy, and in our political system. So is gambling all just a bit of harmless fun? Don't bet on it. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Somewhere between 80 and 160,000 Australians struggle with problem gambling. We have the highest level of gambling per capita in the world. In this month's Signs of the Times magazine, an article by Miguel Valdivia explores these issues, which got me thinking. Several years back, I did some casual work at an addiction treatment centre run by the Salvation Army on New South Wales' central coast. The senior managers were David and Beth Twivey. The Salvos prefer married couples to work together in those kinds of roles. Since that time, the Twiveys have worked in North Queensland, establishing another residential recovery service, and they're now back in New South Wales, this time in Western Sydney, working with the local community. I wondered if David Twivey's expertise in dealing with addictions extended to problem gambling. It did, and in a more personal way than I'd anticipated. I caught up with Major David Twivey on the phone. Gambling is one of those sort of accepted norms in our community, but but once um, somebody sort of goes over that sort of accepted norm and goes into problematic uh, behaviour with gambling, it, it really affects their family, their immediate friends, relationships, uh, affects their their, um, their financial situation, of course. But it's it's really the most expensive habit or bad habit that that a person can have, and. Uh, you know, as far as drugs and, and alcohol goes, you know, it's, it, they fade in, in, in significance when you look at what people can lose on, on gambling, just a poker machine at night or, a, or a, some lotto and, and whatever. It can, it can really take the, the better of people. You know, watching football on a Friday night where, you know, you're encouraged to, to bet on, on the match and then bet halfway through the match and, and whatever. So it's, um, it it really is um, a problem for the whole community. Just just recently, we had um, I had a, a barrister ring me, and um, and he and I've known him for quite a few years, and uh, and he rang me and he was distraught over the phone, and and really I I didn't know that that he had you know he, to me he seemed quite um, all together and you know he was a friend, and uh, then he he just went on to. Um, to tell me that he'd lost fifty thousand dollars in the last week. Five yeah. zero thousand, fifty thousand. Wow. That's right, and and I just, um, you know, that was just, uh, you know, really a, a left field. I wasn't expecting that to, for for him to be, uh, you know, that much of a problem to him. But he he just said he's been doing it very, um, you know, hiding the fact that he's a gambler from from his wife and from his family. And uh, but now it just got the better of him. He thought, you know, he thought he had a system, you know, that with uh, with betting on horses, and he thought he couldn't possibly lose. And and there he was, fifty thousand um, dollars that he'd owed from um, from his gambling, and he was he was looking at having to, uh, you know, remortgage his his house and and go through the shame of of going to of telling his wife and. 
telling his kids and, you know, it was it was an awful, awful thing, awful situation. But he, you know, I tried to encourage him that he, he had to take responsibility for that and, and just maybe, you know, go and talk to people who, other people who have got through this, this problem themselves and, and look for some support. Um, he certainly had my support, but, you know, daily support. To, to stop him from from using that uh, that gambling addiction on a daily basis. Boy, it really does, um, you know, make you realise how widespread you know the issue of gambling is. I mean, you mentioned horse racing, for example. You know, the you know we have the Melbourne Cup every year, the the race that stops a nation. You know, as they say, um, and in almost every pub and club in in the nation, there are poker machines in the corner. And as you said, you you watch a sporting contest on free to wear television, and there's the ads for you know for sports betting. It's it's really everywhere isn't it i mean do, do you see a particular type of gambling that seems to be um you know tripping up people more more than any any other sort well well certainly online gambling has has, um, has increased you know with the technology of being able to um you know take special types of bets and and a variety of different ways that you want to, that you can bet and and instantaneous betting and um i think that um, you know, poker machines have that, that draw card of, of being able to, you know, you see the wheels going in front of you and you, you know, like, oh, look, you know, I've just missed out on, on a big payout. Oh, the next one will win, you know, and, and then they pull the lever and it didn't, does, you know, it must be the next one. So it, it draws, it draws people into a, into a fantasy. It's like, it's actually, I, I, I felt that myself in lots of ways. I, my, my sister, for, for some unknown reason, for the first time ever, she gave me a, um, a lotto, a lotto ticket for my birthday this year. And, uh, and there, and there I was sort of thinking, oh, when, when's it drawn? You know, when's, and, and how much is it worth, you know, to the winner? And she said, oh, it's a $50 million first prize. And I was, I was driving away thinking, oh, now how did I spend that $50 million? <laughs> and it's it's a bit very tempting, isn't know, it? Well, it's, it's really, you know, it was just a, uh, you know, I, I personally got over it very quickly, and and when I, certainly when I rang up the number or put the number in the computer, I forgot what I did, and it said no pay. I, you know, that was the end of it, and it was certainly not something that that I would do. But you know, okay. I can see that thought of that fantasy that that um, is associated with it. That oh, look, you know, my life can be so much better. I can go and give money away. I can, you know, all these sort of fantasies. Yeah, um, you mentioned well a recent uh, incident with gambling, but I understand that you you haven't always been a a uniformed Salvation Army officer. That um, you've had a personal history yourself with addiction. Was a gambling a, a part of of that story in in your past? Oh, look, definitely. Um, you know, I came to the Salvation Army in, in 1983 and, uh, and I had a problem with, with drugs and gambling. Um, I came from a family who raced horses and, and gambling was, and, and my grandfather owning a hotel and, and he used to put me up on his, on his knee and I'd play the poker machines when I was about four years old in the mornings before the, the, the golf club would open. Wow. And, uh, or the, so it was sort of a, yeah, it was sort of there. It was there before me, but um, yeah. And, and look, my parents were happily putting five dollars each way on horses, but uh, I was completely different. I I went off on the, that whole fantasy trip of you know wanting more and wanting. There was never enough, and 
you know, if there was a cycle of no uh, no good good ending at all, must admit I, I will never forget a night that uh, we had a horse racing at um, at Howe Park, and uh, the horse was very you know it was going to win. So the trainer was pretty pretty certain that it was going to win uh, the race. You know, it had a good draw and whatever, and um, and it was that. Ten to one on the on the betting, and and so my, all my family went out there to watch it race, and and I you know I got a I got a, you know as much money as I could about three hundred dollars or something, and um and then I, we all went out to the track, and, and my father said now don't don't bet because he knew I was a bit of a uh, prolific better. He said just don't bet until the last race because that's when uh, you know our horse is going to win. But, you know, the second last race came and went and I was left with $10. It was all gone. And then I, you know, I put the $10 on the horse and it romped home, the horse that we knew was, was going to win. But, and, uh, you know, I was just left with basically uh, less than what I came with. So that was, oh, wow. that was the, the, the dead end story for me. I, I won't forget that day. So, so, uh, so in terms of um, stopping gambling, w- was this something that happened as a part of your involvement with the Salvation Army? What brought you to the Salvation Army? Was it a, a, a Christian sort of thing that drew you in, a conversion experience, or was it dealing with your addiction that, that brought you to the Salvation Army? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I certainly, I came to the Salvation My life was uh, the pits. I, I basically... Drugs had, had brought me to my knees, and I I was um, addicted to heroin, and uh, gambling was probably a secondary point at that at that stage because of my my physical addiction to to drugs, and and so my parents were actually the ones who who called the police and said you know you, you know this is it you've got to you've got to do something and and I spent three nights in the Hornsby lockup um, to stealing off them. Um, and then uh, the magistrate on the on the Monday morning said, "Look, you can go to Long Bay Jail for stealing off your parents, or you can uh, go to the Salvation Army. Which way? Which way do you want to go?" And so I, I I had gone for I had made decision for for Christ uh, when Billy Graham uh, came to Australia in, in about 1971, 72, and um, you know I, that was a very much conversion experience, and and. You know, I held on to that in my recovery again. You know, I I, I started to think, you know, look, God can help me get through this. And uh, he doesn't want me to be that person that I, I had been for so many years. And uh, so, you know, the Salvation Army was certainly part of their program was to, um, to present God in a way that, that he could um, give you the strength to overcome, uh, give you the strength for new hope. Um, so, you know, I grasped hold of that with both hands and, and look, God has been certainly my, my salvation through that. You know, I've, well, I thought God's calling to, to go into ministry and, and so I've been a minister in the Salvation Army for, um, this will be my 30th year as a Salvation Army officer. Okay, so a, um, a, a captain or, or a major in the Salvation Army is similar to like a, a clergy person in, in other denominations, is it? That's right. I, I did a diploma of theology back in um, the late uh, 1980s, and um, I've done various other diplomas, and I've got a master's in in health, uh, which I which I felt led to do when I was working started working in drug and alcohol. 
So yeah, it's it's all it's all been sort of part of a, of a you know a process. I think my life when I handed it to God, He sort of said, "Well, you know, you need to you need to know more about this. You need to sort of grow in your knowledge of uh, what addiction is." And and um, and you know, I believe that I've I've surrendered that. And and today, you know, I mean, I couldn't I. I I couldn't want for for really a better life. I've got three uh, lovely adult uh, children, and um, you know I've got a loving wife, and and uh, you know really life is very good. And so you know I I would say to anybody who has a who has a you know an issue in their life that uh, there is hope, and uh, certainly Jesus came to bring hope. That was His promise, and He's true to His promise. If we if we uh, hand ourselves to him. Oh, that's that's re- really good to hear that you know transformation that has happened for you, and it, it's interesting to hear how um, that sort of Salvation Army um, you know rehab centre tough love w- was a crucial part in in your giving up up addiction, um, in, including the the addiction to gambling. Um, I understand that Gamblers Anonymous is one of the most successful ways to to treat people with problem gambling issues, and it's based on the the twelve step sort of. Um, uh, model similarly to Alcoholics Anonymous was that the sort of um, program that that you went through with the Salvation Army and, and is it something that the Salvos are still using now? Well, it's it's certainly something that I went through myself and and uh, these days over the last thirty years the Salvation Army has has developed um, different different other methods of of uh, supporting people. We live in a very complex world, so so the Salvation Army has 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 tried to adjust their their ways of, of dealing with people, supporting people who have gambling addiction, but but still uh, you know the the bones uh, of of recovery are pretty pretty nicely played out in the in the twelve steps of uh, of AANAGA. Um, you know, firstly you admit you've got a problem. That's the first step. Yeah. And then the second step is uh, came to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. And, so, and, and of course, know, that fits really well with, with your Christian ethic, I guess, because you're saying, look, by myself, I'm, I'm hopeless, but I really need you know God to be here to, to help me overcome this issue. So it's, it, it dovetails very nicely for the Salvation Army, doesn't it? Yes, yes, I believe so. And it's, it's um, you know, and, and for some people it does require... Um, some uh, psychiatric help and or psychological help um, because of the complex life in which we which we live, and that's that's just part of the process of, I believe, of the twelve steps. If you can rewrite the twelve steps today, you you wouldn't be changing the the, the twelve steps. You'd just be adding some things, you know, like some people require some specialised help, and I think you know I, I I'm sure that it's it's. Well, I believe that, that Jesus would support these these ways of of being able to support people because I, you know, I have seen the value of of um, different medications for people to actually to get help them to get their lives back on track, and it's the same for a gambler. A gambler needs to to work out the issues, and that you know, it's not it's not a really a normal behaviour to go out there and. And lose fifty thousand dollars of of your um, of money. Doesn't matter whether you who you are. 
Yeah, Not I, really. I was I, I was so, gonna I was gonna ask you about that, um, that Major Twivey, because you're in a, a very good position in your professional life and with your personal story to sort of um, make this this judgment and this comparison, because you, I mean coming down from heroin, for example, is infamously difficult. And, you know, people go through all sorts of fevers and pains and cramps and, and it's just a horrific physical thing to do. And then somebody says, well, you've got a gambling addiction, um, but there's no physical dependence. There's no chemical involved that you're trying to sort of get off or, or come down from or, or detox from. So in, in what sense is gambling accurately described as, as an addiction? Because there are probably some people out there who say uh, it's just an excuse, you know, to describe your gambling as an addiction. It's, it's not like heroin. It's not a chemical thing. Why don't you just stop? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it really is the same as, as a physical addiction. I mean, it, it, it affects the mind and, and, you know, a gambling, someone who's on a, let's say a heroin, a person who was addicted to heroin, um, three days after stopping heroin, it's pretty well out of your system. You might have a, you might have a few aches and pains still, but, but it is out of your system. But then you need to stay stopped and, uh, you know, change that, that whole thinking about where, you know, that there's a habit of actually going every day to getting the drug. There's a habit in, in the, in the fact of, you know, like when I have this drug, it makes me feel better so I can, so I can relate to people. Um, and it's the same with, with gambling. I, I think, you know, like, once you get you you sort of stop gambling, you know it might be it it takes probably longer you know a couple of weeks need to go past before you you're actually getting your head clear enough to to actually absorb the that you you've actually made pretty well your life's a mess um i th- i think uh, you know i i'm trying not to label the gambler here but but I think gamblers are addicted to not telling the truth. In my experience, what do you mean by a that? gambler can really, really knows how to lie because that's the, that's the way they've had to survive, to, to lie to get, and they lie to themselves as well as the people around them. Um, you know, the, the truth is very much absent from their mind. So they, they have this, uh, this capacity to, to be able to spin the greatest, Story, and um, and believe it themselves. So that's why I think it, you know, in, in some ways, you, you know, you, you're an addict, uh, like to heroin. You know, it's pretty obvious that they're, an, you know, an addict to heroin. They've got the physical markings. They've got other other things. So lying is is sort of soon uh, soon dissipates. But with gambling, it can go on for a long time. Yeah, and I guess this is why in the 12 steps, there's one that says, um, encourages people to make a fearless moral inventory of themselves. And I imagine some of that that lying and and deceptive and, and I guess, stealing sort of behaviour could very easily come come up in that discussion during that step. That's right. You know, looking at at all the people that you've hurt, and the biggest person that you've hurt is obviously yourself. So, you know, repair repair yourself first and then and then go about repairing 
the damage you've done to others. I'm wondering um, how the Salvation Army works in terms of being a, a church, because obviously you're helping people with addictions in terms of your social services. But when a person decides that they want to become a Salvationist, whether that's, um, and I think you have t- two categories, either an adherent or an actual uniformed um, person, or, um, the Salvation Army is one of the few churches in Australia these days that that um, encourages its or, or prohibits its members from drinking alcohol. Um, is it the same with gambling? Is there a clear line in the sand for uh, members of the Salvation Army at church when it comes to gambling? The adherency is, is about um, accepting that the Salvation Army is my, my place of worship, my place of my church, um, the place where I, I see myself um, receiving a ministry and contributing back and you know, too, in, in different ways. They're part of a community, a community of faith. A soldier, to become a soldier in the Salvation Army is is actually, um, it's like a soldier in the regular army. You're, you're actually, and we, we've, we've taken on this sort of um, image of, of military, sort of uh, from, from our founding, founding days 130 odd years ago, but with technomist millet, where a soldier is is equipped for war. He he's a person who is um, you know you become a soldier to actually go out there and actively fight for what is right. Uh, not to sit in the pews on a Sunday, but to actually you know go out there and into the hotels and and um, talk to people, um, sit in the sit in a shopping centres, talk to people, sit, go in. Uh, minister to people on, in airports and train stations and where we have chaplains, where we have chaplains in, in um, our military forces. It's much more of a commitment to actually doing something to, you know, to, you're, you're a soldier on and, and you're at war, you're at war with, with the, with the things that would, uh, encapture other people that would, try to pull other people down. So as a soldier, Major Twivey, I guess discipline is, is stricter. Is there a clear expectation on uniformed soldiers that uh, gambling is, is not a part of their, of their personal um, behaviours? And, and if so, yeah. why, I, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Yes, certainly. Look, there is a, what, the, what we call an articles of war, a soldier signs when they become a soldier. You know, one of the things that you undertake is not to drink um, intoxicating, intoxicating um, spirits and that you don't um, gamble. So they're, they're explicitly said in the, in the Articles of War. There's, there is about 12 different statements that you make that you're going to be an active um, soldier involved in the mission of, of Christ. And there's a, there's, it's quite a, an explicit thing that they sign up to. And look, a lot of people can't necessarily sign up to that. And that's fine. Still be part of the Salvation Army. Um, you know, if they, if they want to have a drink, you know, when they get home from work, that's up to them. But, but a person who's, who's taken on a, a role as a soldier, um, you do make a decision to not to drink and not to gamble. That is really interesting because, of course, the, the Bible doesn't specifically, you know, mention um, gambling. It doesn't sort of say yay or, or nay about it. Do, do you feel that a, as the Salvation Army, um, you know, a Christian group that you have uh, some sort of biblical principles that are behind y- your decision to, um, um, y- to ha- have that strict uh, a discipline in terms of gambling? Well, I, th- I think Jesus was, was uh, preempting a lot of things in, 
in society. And, and although he might not have been explicit, there are implicit areas where he says, don't, don't allow yourself to be enslaved by, by things of this world. Um, and I think gambling is, is certainly one of those areas which people can be enslaved against. And, and you know, the Salvation Army stance is, is purely how can, you know, a soldier in the Salvation Army, you know, it would be, it would be very, very contradictory if that, if the person was actually telling someone to stop gambling if they were gambling themselves. So there's, there's a clear line there that, you know, like the person in the Salvation Army who's, who's trying to help the person who's a gambler is not, um, a gambler themselves. So there's, there's a credibility there. And, and I think that's what, you know, what Jesus would want. He would want people who would be, who would have some sort of, um, credibility to be able to talk to people and not be a hypocrite. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, now, back, back to more the, the work side of, of what you do, um, the, Salva- the, the Salvation Army obviously is one of Australia's you know, major social services. You must come in contact with um, you know, government politicians, ministers for this and that department and that sort of thing fairly regularly. Uh, are you able to um, be strong with them about the damage that gambling is, is doing to Australians? Because I guess you know, the, the gambling um, lobby is a, a very um, generous uh, political donor of both major parties in Australia. Are, are you able to be really clear about the damage gambling is doing to Australia with politicians you know, from the, who are in government? Look, we, we do research constantly through uh, various universities in Australia. We, we present those facts and figures that it's becoming a more and more a uh, problem to the community, gambling, um, over the last 10 years. Uh, and we present that to the government. Now, they they have an opportunity to either uh, accept that and do something about it or they can turn a blind eye to it. We, we will still advocate for, um, for what we believe to be the right thing. We will still advocate for it. But it's unfortunately some, some politicians don't, um, you know, have that, have that same um, uh, responsibility. Uh, to gambling, um, you know, or to, and, and so we, we end up with, um, uh, you know, not getting quite as much satisfaction in the political realm as, as we'd like. But, but that doesn't, that doesn't stop us from trying the next person. And, um, and like I, I've met some great politicians over, over the years, particularly when I was up in, up in Queensland from both uh, major political parties who would who would stand up and make um, quite um, supportive stands as far as um, the anti anti gambling and and drugs and alcohol and and uh, but you know it, it's really a matter of policy to the to the people in Canberra um, you know the people who actually hold the, hold all of the purse strings. To, to actually convince them. Uh, look, the, the best social changing years in, for Australia's social services was uh, during Bob Hawke's time as, as Prime Minister because Bob Hawke's own daughter had a, had a heroin problem. So, um, and he was, he was quite open to that. He was publicly came out and said that. So, so we, st- we are still reaping the benefits to the programs that Bob Hawke in, and, uh, installed into the, um, health system to combat drugs and alcohol. 
So, you know, sometimes you've got to wait for someone with real passion and who's willing to stand up there and who's got the, the credibility to actually get some social change. Yeah, I, I guess it's really important for the government to know that, that when you, you speak out, you're, you're not just speaking out on the basis of, you know, your religious convictions, but you're also speaking out on the basis of all those people who do support, you know, the Salvation Army through the Red Shield Appeal and, and your, your other fundraising efforts. Um, so just, just as we finish, um, Major David Twivey, if there is someone listening today who is themselves struggling with gambling, or perhaps they have a, a family member or, you know, a loved one, um, a friend who's struggling with this issue, what, what would you advise for them to do as, as their first couple of steps? A non-judgmental approach to, to people who you love is always good. It's pretty hard sometimes, but, uh, and, but directing people to um, services that, that are available. Um, certainly Gamblers Anonymous is, is one service that uh, is, is available to people in most, uh, in most um, you know, major centres around the country. Um, gambler, but to go to a gambler's anonymous meeting takes a lot of courage. So, you know, it might be that if it's a, if it's a, a mother who's got a son or, you know, a father's got a son or a mother who's got a daughter or, um, there's a friend down the road who's got a problem and you've heard about it from, from the, the parent or something, um, to actually go with them to, to support them in that way. And because as soon as you get, you know, through that first, door, the first door, there's, then people do make you uh, friendly in most meetings that I've been involved with. They, they really welcome the newcomer uh, to the meetings. Another way to, to, for people to, to handle this on a, on a first intervention basis is give us a call. Um, there's a gambling helpline, but there's also um, the Salvos line, which is which is a one three Salvo. That's the that's the phone number. Yeah. Oh, great! Okay, one three Salvos, and um, if they ring that number, uh, they'll be put on to to someone who can direct them to a local Salvation Army group. Uh, that will uh, support them. Major David Twavey has uh, given us the number for the Salvation Army there, 13 Salvos, which works all over Australia. And uh, you also mentioned, uh, Major Twavey, the Gambling Help um, Line. Yep. Um, they have a website, gamblinghelponline.org.au. They also have a phone number, 1800 858 858. And I guess there's always Lifeline, isn't there? 131114. So, yeah, a, a lot of options out there to, to try as a, um, as a first option to try to find some information, find out what's happening in your area. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Major David Twivey, for, for your time and your expertise and, and your story. Um, yeah, thanks for being a part of Signs of the Times Radio. Look, thank you very much for your invitation. And um, I do hope that people will hear this and, and know that there's hope. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.